steps into it, pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! Welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Maholt. And today, we are preparing for arguably the best week of the Viking season, and that is home Packers week. Uh, your Minnesota Vikings take a 4-5 and five record uh, to U.S. Bank Stadium this week. With an opportunity to move back to the 500 mark against our most bitter of rivals and the Green Bay Packers. Um, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers returned last week from his little COVID ordeal. Uh, it seems like uh, Green Bay is kind of, I don't know. They, I, I think they're probably a Super Bowl contender, but they didn't look like it last week against Seattle, at least not until the fourth quarter. So something to something to be said there, maybe some potential vulnerability, but definitely not on the defensive side of the ball, at least in the recent weeks for the Packers. So we will talk about um, everyone's favorite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, as well as this kind of uh, boosted defense that the Packers have had this season under Joe Barry and plenty more here on today's show. Um, should be a fun week. As I said, great opportunity for the Vikes to get back to 500, but also to get a big, big, big NFC North win against the current leader in the division. So uh, let's get right into it here. Starting with the Packers offense and starting with Aaron Rodgers, your favorite quarterback, of course, as everyone knows. Yeah, uh, I've been a big Rodgers fan over the years. Um, now, recent <laughs> events have changed some of that a little bit, uh, but He's, he's still one of my favorites to ever watch play the quarterback position. And I think he is my favorite, uh, actually, because, you know, for one, just how quick his release is um, and some of the throws he makes. Um, and then just the I, I, I kind of like the the arrogance and like the smug and like the confidence and the cockiness. Like, it's entertaining I, I, I know for sure. I know it rubs Vikings fans the wrong way or most Vikings fans the wrong way, but. Uh, there's just something about it that to me, it's like, that's a guy I would want to be throwing me the football is this guy that knows he can make all the throws and he can escape and he can, he's got this attitude. Like he's trying to, he's not just trying to beat you, but he's trying to piss you off on the other side. So um, I like that about him. I think he's been fun to root for. I, I think in terms of, you know, like being a, a dangerous threat to the opposing team, Aaron Rodgers in his prime is the most dangerous quarterback that has ever played. Uh, I think, you know, obviously Tom Brady in the rings is the most accomplished and probably the greatest, but like when I match, I, I would imagine if you would ask defensive coordinators in the past, like who's the most dangerous or the most scary quarterback they've had to play against, I would imagine Aaron Rodgers would be a common answer. So anyway, that's kind of an aside, uh, but he's still the Packers quarterback. He's still a tough task uh, for the Vikings this week. Although I feel like overall, Zimmer has handled him really well over the years. Yeah, Zimmer Zimmer's definitely handled him pretty well, but I think we have to address one really important question here before we move forward on this podcast, and that's uh, very simply, um, are you a Packers fan? <laughs> so it's it's actually really funny that... There's someone uh, thinking that, so I had, I had to... So <laughs> I commonly get that joke from my friends that, you know, because I, I say a lot of, uh, and I also commonly bet on the Packers, uh, but I am not a Packers fan. I just really like watching Aaron Rodgers play the quarterback position. So that's uh, – I am not a Packers fan. It's important to clear that up. Uh, 
but I, it's fair because I do get that joke a lot where uh, my friends would be like, you know, oh, Drew's Packers are in a tough game today or something like that, you know. Uh, Look, no, it's I'm okay. not a Packers fan. It's definitely okay to appreciate greatness, and that's exactly what you do with Aaron Rodgers. And for what it's worth, I listen to him every single Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show because I find him extremely entertaining. And also, I know he's the Packers quarterback, and I know we all hate the Packers, you know, to different extents. Uh but it's really cool to listen to a guy that's playing in the middle of his career coming off of an MP- MVP season, kind of just break down what's going on around him. And I love listening to that. And I think that what Drew was saying about with the smugness and kind of the arrogance and stuff like that, you know, that's good. That's I, I'm sure all of you guys listening to this show played sports with someone growing up who you hated when he was on the other other team, but you loved him when he was on your team whether it was the kid who would slide cleats up into second base when he was nine years old, or, you know, the kid that, you know, the five foot eight safety that would go low and make these tackles against six foot three kids in you know, freshman year, sophomore year of high school, whatever it is, everyone's had that kid. We all know who he is. And I think Aaron Rodgers is just kind of an adult version of that. So yes, I absolutely hate this guy because of what he does to the Vikings, but in terms of sheer entertainment um, and, and just overall skill at the position, the talent that he has to do the things that he does for such a long time, it's basically unheard of and unseen throughout, you know, NFL lore. So um, there is part of me that is willing to appreciate greatness and accept it for what it is. And also, and I think this, I, I should point out that part of my take I actually said this yesterday, but it, the fact that he is so talented, he is so great and he only has one Super Bowl. That is something that we as Vikings fans can kind of as losers, hang our hats on. Just it's like, yeah, it's the favorite one, joke to make. I say it all the time about McCarthy kind of too, where it's like uh, he had Aaron Rodgers for how many years? And he only won one Super Bowl. Right. It's sort of the same thing. Everybody says about Rodgers being, you know, well, if he's so great, why does he only have one Super Bowl? And he's got all these NFC championship losses. So I get that. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to try to argue any of that stuff. I just, from a peer, like playing the position standpoint, uh, making all the throws, being this, being dangerous. Uh, I, I, he's in his prime. He was awesome. I think he's not quite that level right now, at least this season. I think he's been a little bit more, how do I, I, I reserved i guess in his play like in the way he is playing like i think i feel like he's taking the shorter throws mm-hmm. um you know like the stuff to the flat and those quicker throws and he's taking those more frequently and more quickly than kind of waiting for that longer out to develop more so the passing game has kind of sh- have shrunk a little bit for green bay um which should be something to note defensively for the packers because or excuse me defensively for the vikings because you know, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon have been key players in that passing game. And that's going to be a big problem for the Vikings linebackers. Both of them are really involved. Obviously, Aaron Jones is hurt right now, so might not see him Sunday. But AJ Dillon is becoming a problem. Uh, I know we I made fun of the draft pick, and I, I still don't, I still will make fun of the Packers for that draft pick getting, you know, where running they, at the, where they, they drafted him in the second round. They probably yeah. could have drafted him in the fifth round. Right. Uh, but exactly. He's been really effective and could be a problem for the Vikings this Sunday. We definitely knew that AJ Dillon was good at Boston College, by the way. It was just the fact that they took him oh, at right. least one. Right. It's the same problem. We, we had a problem taking Dalvin in the second round, too. It's yes. not it's it's, yes. it's not about the player. It's about the position in that round when especially given where AJ Dillon fell on draft boards a lot of the time, right. like. If he's not on somebody's, like he wasn't even on PFS draft board, so like they probably could have picked him in the fourth round or whatever it was. But you can definitely, so that's beside the point. You can, yeah, and you can definitely. You're as an evaluator, you have to evaluate against what other people are evaluating too, right? Like it's not just 
the value of the pick. Like this could turn out to be a very high value pick for the Packers, but it's just the the thought process of like, all right, maybe it could have been even higher value. That's what we're making fun right. of as Vikings. Yes. That's because we're losers, right? That's what we do. Anyways, <laughs> um, the reason why I think that Aaron Rodgers has become kind of more of a laid back packer passer and kind of opening up these quick routes to Devontae Adams and put the ball into, you know, different playmakers hands again, typically just Devontae Adams in that regard. And then these running backs that Drew was mentioning, but overall, this team has just became more balanced offensively. Um, they've never really been completely one-sided as like a 70, 30 or like a crazy 80, 20. I mean, there were some moments though in his prime where they didn't have a run game, you know, but that was also like, they were still trying to run the ball. It's just that Aaron yeah. was so key to the success of the team. Now it's more like, yes, he's still the guy and they need Aaron Rodgers to win. We saw that. What? Two weeks ago, yeah, we did. he was out. They absolutely need this guy. He is the most important player on their team. He essentially makes everyone. No, he doesn't. Essentially. He does make everyone better around him, but this team is more balanced. Now you can get yardage and you can get scores and you can get first downs from players, not named Aaron Rodgers, AJ Dillon, a big one last week, of course, a lot of those plays last week for AJ Dillon were catch and run plays that Aaron Rodgers basically just flicked the wrist. He didn't do a whole lot. Um, it was his an opportunity for a young guy with thighs of steel to start breaking some tackles and get up in the open field. And he's dangerous that way. Aaron Rodgers simply just does not at this stage in his career. He's not asked to do as much. Am I saying he's not capable of doing as much? Absolutely not. I'm not putting that target on my back. It's not worth it, but he's simply not, the guy who's going to throw for 350 yards every single week. In fact, he hasn't thrown for 300 yards yet this season because of how balanced this offense is. He's not even having a bad year. He's just not the guy who has to do literally everything or his team loses. Now he's got a defense. He's got a running game that is fairly effective, not a two headed run game, mm -hmm. I should say, and an even better one than last year, I would argue. And it's something that he simply hasn't had in the past to this degree. And for, and as a result, his, um, I don't know, his, the way that he affects the game has decreased. He's just simply mm -hmm. not as key of a cog, still the most important one, but not as key as he's been in the past. Yeah, and I think another thing, too, we should talk about is so in the in the past, what the Vikings have done against Rodgers is they Zimmer has always put together a really good game plan against him. Uh, and I know there's been I mean, you can look back to like 2014. There was a game where he absolutely shredded the Vikings. 2016 at the end of the year there was that game uh at lambeau but other than that you know he really has not kind of been this uh, unstoppable force against the vikings really if you look back to like 2019 right uh that was two of those games where the vikings lost both of those were really bad offensive performances um where you know cousins had a bad day and Rodgers didn't really was not the difference maker um and then, of course, the Vikings beat Rodgers last year at Lambeau um, in a game where, you know, the Vikings had really shouldn't have had any any, you know, business being in that game. So there's I think there's that reason for optimism where I think, you know, that Rodgers is more likely to not be a huge difference maker than he is to kind of torch this team and, you know, put up that big 350 yard four touchdown game, hitting every throw he looks at now. You know, we can talk, we'll talk about the other side of the ball, but I think that's where my, more of where my concern is, is this Packers defense. But offensively, the Packers aren't that complicated, really. When Devonta Adams is single coverage, they're probably going to try and force the ball to him. Otherwise, they're going to let A.J. Dillon cook on the ground quite a bit. 
And they do a lot of these quick, short passing concepts where they're kind of modified screenplays, um, basically to get the ball into the hands of Adams, into the hands of Dylan. Um, could be Alan Lazard, whoever it is. They're trying to get the ball into their hands and kind of pick up smaller, medium size, like the seven, eight yard gains. They're kind of trying to live off of those with this offense. So they're not always trying to hit that big play. They just kind of want to, you know, short game you to death and they do it really well and effectively. And it took a little bit of time last week in Seattle to kind of get that thing to work. But once it did, they had a couple of touchdown drives and it was enough to steal the game. Absolutely. So you look at, I want to go back to the point that you were making about how Mike Zimmer has been as effective at defending Aaron Rodgers as basically any defensive minded head coach or defensive coordinator in the NFL since around, let's say the time Zimmer was hired in 2014. That's a fairly accurate statement. Um, I I don't have all of the numbers in front of me and I'm not going to cross examine every single coach across the league for the sake of this podcast, but he has been very solid. That being said, last year was definitely not good. The last two times that Aaron Rodgers has faced the Vikings, he's totaled over 750 yards, seven touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Now, the previous years, keeping in mind, of course, that 2019 might have been the worst defense that Mike Zimmer has ever coached with. Before that, he's been consistently keeping him under three touch passing touchdowns, under 220 yards passing, et cetera. Essentially limiting the damage, not making, not allowing him to straight up beat you, but giving him kind of the underneath stuff, not the big plays, not the four or five passing touchdown games, but just enough where the Vikings are going to be in it. And that's really, ultimately, that's what you ask for against a division opponent, especially one that's got a, you know, a multi-game lead in the division. That's what you're looking for this weekend. It's just don't let Aaron Rodgers get that first 300-yard passing game today. Don't let him get Marquez Valdez-Scantling wide open downfield because that 82-yard touchdown is generally the difference between the 340-yard game and the 260-yard game. And really, that score sometimes is ultimately the difference on the actual scorebook as well. So don't allow the big play. Allow Rodgers to do the, the intermediate stuff that he likes to do so much. Let him hand out, do these three-yard outs to Devontae Adams and be a sure tackler, right? The Vikings, for everything that they we can say about these cornerbacks, Breland tackles well. You know, I, I would make an argument that Dantzler at least tackles fundamentally well. He doesn't always make the, the big hit or be able to hold him tight because of his frame, I would argue. But this is a good tackling team. This is generally a pretty mentally tough team that can that is not going to allow a team to go straight through them. So give them the underneath stuff. Just don't get beaten over the top. And by God, please cover Devontae Adams. Do whatever you have to do. I don't care if it's one guy or three guys. Stop that guy because the rest of this passing core has a lot to prove. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I mean, but Alan Lazard um... – you know, they've been using like Amari Rogers a tiny bit. It's fine. We Randall Cobb Marquez is cool. Valdez, but like, okay. Scantling, Scantling, Robert Tunyon's out for the year, I believe. Yep. Or yep. So there's, there's question marks there. So obviously Devontae Adams is going to be a part of the game plan. And I would, I mean, basically anytime he's in one-on-one, they're going to look for that back shoulder throw or that quick, uh, quick throw to the sideline, let him try and break a tackle. They do that all the time. So it's you really got to be on your toes with Rogers because he is going to try and get you with 12 men on the field or get you jump offside or any of that stuff. So nobody's better in the NFL at that specifically than Rogers. So uh, it's just one of those games that you got to, you got to take your attention to detail up and up a level when you're playing Aaron Rodgers, and that'll be a tall task for the Vikings. But uh, with that said, this Packers offense has not been again. Now we're talking about a, you know, 
the last couple of games were against Seattle and some cold weather mm-hmm. uh, where the quarterback didn't have really any time to prepare for the game with his teammates. And then we also were talking about a Jordan Love game at Kansas right. City. So it's not like we have a ton of things to go off of here, but this, the offense hasn't been super scary lately. Um, so I, I just think the defense is what's really stepped up and what, what makes this Packers team dangerous right now. Absolutely. I think there is vulnerability there um, with the Packers offense right now, whether it's mer- whether there's reasonable merit behind the claims that they've not played very well the past two weeks offensively. I mean, let's just be real here. They scored 17 points last week. That's generally not going to win a football game, at least in 2021. The week that when they had Jordan Love in there, that's definitely not going to get it done. And yeah, I know it's not Aaron Rodgers, and we can basically just throw that game out on film because Jordan Love's never not going to be the starter so long as Rodgers is on the is on this team unless he's unavailable unavailable to play. But they have been struggling a little bit, and that in theory does seep into your mind a little bit mentally. If you get off to a slow start again at the start, Vikings have to be able to re- be ready to take advantage of that situation. I think you can't let the, you can't let the Packers start fast this week. Can't let them get that mental edge. Let, let Aaron Rodgers get that chip on his shoulder. I mean, he made a comment this week on the, the McAfee show about, they asked him something like, well, do you feel like you play better? You know, when you have a chip on your shoulder and he said something to the effect of with his smug kind of snobby voice saying, you know, well, there's historical evidence to suggest that. You know, like that's that's just who Aaron Rodgers is. And he's right. Uh, dude, he does I, play I, better I with the chip on his shoulder. I, I love his attitude. It, I it, like it, it too. Pisses a lot of people off, but team. it's like it's kind of like the Draymond Green effect, uh, where like that's the guy you want on your team. Yeah. If you're playing against that guy, you you want to punch him in the face. Uh, and so it's a, it's the same, it's the same effect uh with Rodgers. So I don't know. I let's turn over I, that defense side of the football. Yeah, let's look you at that defense to because talk about it. They Sidarius <laughs> Smith is out, right? They don't have Zadarius yeah. Smith. He hasn't been around. Jair yet. Alexander, I don't believe, is like confirmed going to play yet. He might, he might or may not. Um, but even without those guys, they've been really, really good. And that's the scary thing about this this team right now. So uh, Vikings offense could put up points, but they haven't pay, faced a defense like this. I don't think in a while. Yeah, this defense has been weird, right? It's not, it's not. F- filled with the names that you're familiar with specifically with Packers names that you're familiar with, right? Like this is turnover completely. This is complete turnover from the, the clay Matthews era or the Charles Woodson era, or, you know, uh, whatever era of Packers football you want to think of defensively. This is a completely new group, right? Um, you've got some, you've got a few staples that remain Kenny Clark, of course, the big nose tackle in the middle remains there. He's going to be their top, top run defender defender. And he's going to clog up holes for, you know, the Vikings rushing attack. And, and also to free up the pass rushers in this three-force look. But they've got some newer names, too. I know Preston Smith came on in a big way last year, but he's only in his second year in this defense. The real standout player, at least this season, a guy that has literally came out of nowhere, is Devonde- Devondre Campbell, the inside linebacker that has mm-hmm. been kind of shifted around the formation and used in a enough- number of different ways. Precise tackler. He's been on the money all year long. Just simply doesn't make mistakes. And really, that's that's what you ask for when you have playmakers playing alongside you, right? When you've got Preston Smith on the outside and Rashawn Gary, you know, who of course came out of high school as a top, you know, a top prospect in college, didn't have the greatest college career at Michigan, uh, comes to the NFL, kind of on lower, drafted lower than people expected him to be by the Packers kind of a slow start to his NFL career. He's looked really nice this year when he's had more space to work with. So I really think this starts with Devondre Campbell and the guys that work around him because he's going to set the tone for this defense. If the Packers are able to stop the running game effectively, that's going to free up these pass rushers, whether it's Preston Smith, you know, whether it's another guy like 
you know, Rashawn Gary that I just mentioned, but they're going to send different types of looks at you and they're going to trust their secondary, even without Jair Alexander to play some man coverage. Kevin King gets burned every single week on like no matter what. And yes, he does make the interception every once in a while too, but he gets burned every single week for a reason. It's because they will trust him to go one-on-one with a guy who simply is he's outmatched against. This happens on a week to week basis. If you watch the Packers, Packers fans are fed up with it. I would be fed up with it. I love it as a Vikings fan, but that's basically what they're going to do. They're going to float those two safeties around and Amos and uh, Darnell Savage. They're going to do both the back end stuff and up in the box stuff. And Kevin King is going to be taken on an Island sometimes. And then, in, the, in addition to that, you're going to have Eric Stokes, the rookie, who's actually played pretty well, also kind of moving around, following a guy that's not playing with Kevin King. So the, the loss of Jair, Jair Alexander is kind of the vulnerability where the Vikings can try to exploit because they only have one solid cornerback, in my opinion, if Alexander isn't playing. And that's Stokes, and he's a rookie. So in theory, the vulnerability is right there. Stokes and King, you got Thielen and Jefferson. Line them up whichever way you want. One of those two guys is going to have a one-on-one matchup. Right. And I trust either one of those guys to beat either one of those defensive backs nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10 on a great day. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've been harping on this every week with any matchup is get the ball to these receivers when they're one-on-one. I mean, and, it, and we're seeing now with Jefferson more and more, he doesn't even have to be open. Just get him the ball, throw him the ball. If he's blanketed, he's open still, you know, he can still reach up and catch that pass. So, Need to see more of that one note I wanted to make. Uh, perhaps the uh, uh, best assistant defensive coordinator right on this team, Jerry Gray, former Vikings defensive backs coach. Uh, you're seeing him have some success in developing and or partially developing a defense over there in Green Bay. So something to note there. But Joe Barry's got this defense doing really well. Um, and I, I think it is. You know, the, that, that front seven, I think, is kind of carrying the load here, it seems like it. So, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to go away from Dalvin too much in the sense, like, I'm uh, obviously I'm for more of a passing offense here. Um, I do think the one vulnerability, if you look at the numbers anyway, where you see the Packers um, with their defense is yards per carry allowed. They are, if I look at this right here, um, Got to find this number. Sorry. Uh, rushing yards per, per attempt allowed 4.6, which is number 26 in the league. So, I mean, they're number three in yards allowed, number three in pass yards allowed, or number three in net yards per attempt allowed passing the ball. Uh, but on the ground, they're 26 in yards per attempt at 4.6. So there could be some vulnerability there to get the ball down and cook, let him cook a little bit. Um, and then again, in terms of passing the ball with his team, it's going to be, exploiting those mismatches at corner when you can and taking advantage of the young rookie out there. Because when you have weapons like Jefferson and Thielen, you got to get him the ball. And we saw it last week. I mean, it, it's objectively more uh, beneficial and easier to score points when you give the ball to your best players and let them do it. So that's what they did with Jefferson last week. They were Thielen multiple times in very key situations. Just keep firing it, man. I mean, there's to, to a point, there's no, there's not really a way to defend just Jefferson one-on-one. And if Packers try to do that at all, you need to take advantage of it. So there's a couple of different ways that you can attempt to attack this game from a coaching philosophy standpoint, I think, right. There's not a necessarily a wrong answer against a good defense, especially a defense that, as you just said, is allowing more yards per attempt on the ground than the average football team in the NFL this season. You can try to play ball control offense, or you can engage, fully engage, and try to 
just straight blow this team out and play better offense than them. I think either one of those routes is going to give the Vikings a chance. I'll be honest with you. Because I think I think that there is innate vulnerability with everything that the Packers do when they're forced to lean on one player. Because what has made them so great this year is the fact that they have been winning games in different ways. They've been winning games with balance. They've been winning games with straight defense like last week where they quite literally shut out Russell Wilson for the first time in his career. I believe that's 150 starts for Wilson without without uh, not scoring a point. Uh, they have games like that. They also have games where Aaron Jones runs wild for four touchdowns. He seems to do that once or twice every single mm-hmm. year. If you force them to lean on just one thing, I don't care if it's Rodgers even. I think this team is not – I think they're more vulnerable that way. So if you want to force them to play ball control offense, meaning you need to play great defense against Rodgers and you need to stop guys on third downs and you need to control the ball offensively, that means maintaining drives. You don't necessarily need to get points every time, but I'm talking at least six plays every single drive, burning that clock, controlling the tempo. You can go that route or you can just fully unleash like you did last week and just basically say, all right, you know what? We're four and five. We need wins. We're going to go for it all, and we're going to outrun you. Because I think this Vikings offense is better than the Packers offense because they can do more. They're more explosive. They have, I think, I would argue that Jefferson and Cook are both more explosive than everything the Packers have, including Devonta Adams. I don't think his greatest asset is being an explosive player. It's more of a being a chain mover, getting open, making sure that he's going to catch the ball if it's thrown in his direction. So, if the Vikings want to play shootout and try to get try to get in a race to 40, I think that's a way that they can win this game. Now, I'm a little nervous that Mike Zimmer is going to see these stats that you just said and be like, all right, if we control the football, we run the clock for 40 minutes this game, we're going to have a shot. See, I'm fearful right. that that is playing right into the Packers' hands because now, again, while they do give up that, that sort of high mark in yards per attempt, they've been winning games this year by limiting – by playing that game and limiting, you know, offense, like their defense winning against the opposing offense. I mean, they haven't scored over 25 points since week four, you know, and they've won every game, but one of those. And that was that chiefs game without Rogers. So Rogers has turned into, this is going to sound like a really a, a dig on him and it's coming from me, but he's turned into an elite game manager in the sense that he's not, it's not winning shootouts every week, but he's winning the game and letting the strength of the Packers team carry them to victory, which is any, what any quarterback should be doing. So, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough, I'm curious to see what they do. I don't even know what the best practice is there. Cause I know Zimmer wants to do that ball control stuff, hand the ball to Dalvin 30 times um, could work on this team. Uh, but I could also see a shootout happening too here because uh, I, I think when you have feeling a Jefferson, usually a, a shootout can bode well for you. I don't think you want to play this game defensive minded, right? I don't think that you want to play this one close because this is what it comes down to for me. If it comes down to one play and Aaron Rodgers has the ball in his hands, I'm going to make Aaron it Rodgers to win. Yeah. So if it comes down to one play, I think the Vikings lose. If it comes down to a series of plays or a full play of plays, <laughs> then I think the Vikings have more of a chance. So I think that again, you have to do what you did last week and be aggressive, engage in kind of the, the, the lottery of playing football, right? Like engage in those numbers, take the, take the 65% chance of increasing your win percentage by 13 points or whatever it is, right? You got to take those this week, because if you get to a two score lead, then Aaron Rodgers alone can't beat you. Then they have to beat you defensively. They have to beat you with Mason Crosby. Who's been a little bit off this year. 
Just don't let it come down to Aaron Rodgers because if it does, the Vikings are going to lose. I'm very confident in that. But I can see a way. I can see a path to where the Vikings match up well schematically and just overall with personnel. I think they can go shot for shot with this team, but you have to try. You have to go for it. And as a four and five team with an opportunity to get a win over a division leader, a team that everyone in this state absolutely hates, I think you got to go for it. Just put their balls to the walls, pedal, you know, pedal to the metal, go for the neck right from the start and don't stop. Just go for 40. Do what Justin Jefferson said two weeks ago. Play for 40. Think that they're going to score 35, and if the defense holds them to 25, great. You won by 15, even better, mm-hmm. right? So I like that mindset. That's where it's got to be this week. And as a fan, you know, I mean, who doesn't want to see the Vikings put up 40 on the Packers? Like, even if they only win by three points, you get to say you put up 40 on this defense that just shut out this, you know, the Seahawks. Like, engage with the fans too. Give us what we want. Like, that's gonna that's that's winning football right now, because I think if you get the hands the ball in the hands of Justin Jefferson get Dalvin Cook in space, set up some nice play action to get this defense off kilter, maybe get a safety creeping up a bit and go deep. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you I think this is also the first true Justin Jefferson game in the Vikings Packers rivalry week one last year. He wasn't, he was basically wide receiver four. He wasn't given that chance yet. Right. And then the windy game last year when the Vikings actually won the game, but what, I mean, to Kirk threw the ball, I think like 14 times in that game. So there wasn't really a passing offense there. We have an opportunity to finally see a Justin Jefferson a coming out party in this rivalry, I guess. So I'm excited for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with all that being said, now I think we've covered all of our bases here. Is there anything that we missed on this Packers team that needs to be oh, that needs to be touched on before I, we go into our picks here? Uh, the one thing I'll add for the NFC North division, I know a lot of people, it's, you're basically dismissing that part, that part of actually winning the division. But I will yep. say this. If the Vikings can win this game, it's not over yet because then the Packers play the Rams, then their bye week, then they play the Bears, then at Baltimore, then the Browns, then the Vikings again. So there are potential losses to be had on that schedule. Mm-hmm. And if two of them can become or can come to the Vikings, there's a real chance that that could get competitive towards the end. But obviously, again, it starts with beating the Packers this week. Absolutely. So with that being said here, do they get it done? Do the Vikings have enough to actually get a win instead of just making this an interesting matchup? Uh, I'm going to go with Green Bay. Um, I think that's the safest pick here. Better defense, better quarterback. Um, I mean, I would love for to see the Vikings get this done. Uh, it's just I the Packers are it's tough to fade them right now. It really is. Especially again, even even they even I mean they kept Kansas City that a game with Jordan Love at quarterback, mm-hmm. shut out Seattle. They went into Arizona the week before that, an undefeated team, and beat them without Devontae Adams. They're just doing too many good things right now. So I'm going with the Packers. I'm gonna take the Vikings here. Um partially because you just took the Packers, so we can split on this one. And I think this is a bit of a toss-up game. But also I do see a lot of different avenues for the Vikings to get this thing done. I think we've touched on a lot of them here today. There's definitely more that we didn't explore as well, but I don't think that this is one of those games where the Vikings are just inherently out last week. I felt like the Vikings were already out of the game. No. And I, I agree. I don't, I, it's, I'm not like uh, writing this down as an L already. You know, it's not right. like that where it could have it's been a gambler like pick a for weeks sure. Ago. You're taking, you're taking the safe bet. I'm being a little bit more aggressive. So basically you're Zimmer in this situation. So you're the bad guy. 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> well, you're already the bad guy by picking the Packers. But anyways, I'm going Minnesota. Um, it's a wishful thinking bet to a degree. And it's also kind of, uh, I don't think it's based entirely in objective reasoning. There's definitely some bias going on here as well, uh, but I will take the Vikings. They're playing at home too. That gives them normally a two and a half point edge to some degree. Um, and I know that U S bank stadium is going to be chucked with fans. So I'm going to take that edge. We'll split on that one and let's get into the rest of our picks for the week here, which starts with Thursday night football. Now, a couple weeks ago, I don't think that anyone would have think, thought that this would be an exciting matchup for anything other than the simple fact that it's a Super Bowl rematch, and that's the New England Patriots against the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, Tom Brady's not here to do the whole 28-3 to deal. Again, it's the Cordell Patterson show in Atlanta. It's completely different from what we saw in that Super Bowl matchup, so really this is not like a rematch by any right. means. But there's some fun things going on. Mac Jones looks pretty cool. Again, Cordero Patterson, who I just mentioned, is literally being maximized finally at 30 years old to the best of his ability, truly running a Percy Harvin-style offense in Atlanta around that guy, and he's exciting to play. So who you got in this matchup of teams that maybe we didn't think were too good a couple weeks ago but are both in very serious playoff consideration heading into Week 11? Yeah, the Patriots look really good, and it kind of annoys me um, because they don't deserve that. But they, let's see, I'm looking at their last six weeks. Uh, they beat Houston, uh, and then they lost in overtime to Dallas. Really good team. Then they destroyed the Jets, beat the Chargers at their place, destroyed the Panthers, destroyed the Browns. They are for real. Mac Jones is getting better every every week. I got the Patriots. Yeah, so I, I will come out and say it. I didn't think that Mac Jones was that good coming out. I thought he was probably a second-round pick, a developed guy maybe get lucky. He's a lot better early in his career than I thought he was going to be. I didn't think he was going to be this massive bust that a lot of people were saying, but I did not think he was going to be this good. Um, He looks like he's running a full-fledged offense now, and the reason why he's getting better every week is because they're opening it up more for him every single week. Um, I think this is a matchup nightmare for Atlanta just in terms of coaching. You know, you got Arthur Smith going up against Bill Belichick. I don't think there's a chance that Arthur Smith is able to outwit Belichick. Um, I'm going to take New England as well. I think it's not only the safe pick here, um, it's the confident pick. I think that they are that good now, and I think the Patriots might actually be back. And really, in, in terms of the AFC, there's probably only two or three teams that are definitively better than New England at this point in the season. So we'll both roll with New England. Moving on to the next one here. This one has a little bit of potential. Indianapolis and Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo, of course, had the horrendous loss two weeks ago, came back in a big way last week. Uh, they look back. They looked like that Super Bowl contending team that they did early on in the season. Indianapolis has had a full 180 from where they started. They kind of were in the same position as the Vikings early on, losing stupid matchups that people expected them to win. And here they are right back in the thick of it. The only problem being is that they're kind of in a similar situation as the Vikings, where they've got Tennessee in front of them and the division's kind of, in theory, lost at this point in the season. But they could very easily sneak into the playoffs, and Jonathan Taylor looks like a world beater right now and looks like, honestly, like the best running back in the NFL with Derrick Henry not playing right now. Yeah, he does. He looks awesome. Uh, I'm going to go Bills, uh, mostly because the second half the Colts played against the Jags last week was not good. It was very ugly. They had basically no offense in that second half um, as they tried to close that out. So I like Buffalo. Um, you know, I I would like to say that that game against Jacksonville was kind of, a, you know, the one game that all these good teams seem to have every year. Green Bay against the Saints. Yep. Uh, the Rams losing that game. Well, they've actually had a couple now back-to-back. Um you know, the Bucks against Washington. Seems like it's one. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Bills. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bills too. Um, I would love to say Indianapolis here, but they're definitely not the safe pick playing in upstate New York. 
right? Like there's, I, I don't think this game is built for the Colts to win. Um, Wentz is too erratic too, right? It, it, the turnover thing mm-hmm. is just so frustrating. Um, he kind of does. I feel like the exaggerations on Kirk Cousins where he always makes the mistake at the worst possible time is actually what Carson Wentz is, right? Like we kind of like freak out as Vikings fans about when Cousins makes a mistake. Well, a lot of the times it's not really that big of a mistake. Sometimes it is, but most of the time what you're describing is what Carson Wentz has actually been for Indianapolis. And that's that backbreaking, stupid play multiple times this season, multiple times in games this season. So never know what you're going to get from that guy. Buffalo's a safe pick. All right. Next one here is Baltimore and Chicago uh, matchup of Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields could be a fun one here in theory between a couple of guys that run um, or at least play the game of football in similar styles. Of course, Lamar Jackson far more adept at this point in his career than Justin Fields is. But I think that, you know, when the, when the bears drafted, uh, fields. They were hoping to get some pieces of Jackson's game in fields. Um, he's developing slowly. He's had some nice running plays. I think he's still working on seeing the field a little bit more. And I don't think Chicago as a whole is good enough to work around him, but do they have enough here to win at home? in a, what would be an upset of Baltimore who, by the way, just lost to Miami. I think the Ravens bounce back and I mean, the bears are just not that good. Um, I think they, they got some pretty, I don't want to say lucky plays, but kind of the out of the normal plays to stay in that Steelers game on Monday night. Um, so I'm going to go with the Ravens here. Yeah, I'm going to take Baltimore as well. Uh, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty straightforward for me. I just think the Bears are bad, and I don't think the Ravens are bad. Um, I think that the game with Miami was an example of Lamar Jackson not playing his best football, and it's real. Baltimore crumbles when he doesn't play his best football. And I think Chicago does actually have a defense to, in theory, put Lamar Jackson in a position where they're not in, you know, a definitive position to win against a bad football team. I think that's plausible, but ultimately I think Baltimore gets it done. Buffalo and Dallas last week came back after their clunkers. I expect Baltimore to do the same. They're well coached, smart football team. They work hard. I think it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's a fairly confident pick there. All right. Next one here is Detroit and Cleveland. Um, I would say we should, we don't need to talk about this one, but Cleveland, like, I don't know. They've become, they've now flown onto the radar. This is going to be a really ugly game. Yes. Browns they've flown win, onto the but... radar of being a, like a bad team. That's supposed to be good. They're kind of still in it, but like, I don't trust the Browns at all anymore. I'm done. Like, I don't trust them. At all. I don't, yeah. I mean, I'm going to pick the Browns, but I don't love that pick, which says something about the Browns. I think <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take Detroit. And I've done it twice this year. I'm 0 for 2. I've been burned hard by them. They've got to win a game at some point. They play everyone, everyone close with the exception of Philadelphia. It's got to come. I thought it was going to happen last week. Of course, they missed, what, a 42-yard field goal to actually get their first win of the year um, in overtime. I think they break through this week. I think this is a good team to take advantage of. And I think Cleveland is kind of heading down that road right now. I don't know if it's going to be Keenum or Mayfield and hell, I don't know if it even matters. So uh, I'm going to take Jared Goff and I'm going to say that the, that Detroit gets a W here on the road against Cleveland. Um, that'd be it. That definitely would be, you know, a big thing for Dan Campbell coming off of a tie, his first not loss of his career. So uh, we'll split on that one and move here to the AFC South. Uh, I don't think this is one we need to talk about. Houston's going to Tennessee. We're both right with Tennessee. No doubt. Right? Correct. Correct. We're going Tennessee here. Yeah, Tennessee's an absolute world beater right now. We don't need to go through the breakdown of all the great teams they've beaten in a row. Um, they're on fire right now, and they don't appear to be stopping. So Tennessee for both of us. Moving on to back to the AFC East here. Miami heads to the New York Jets. Uh, two bad teams. Gross. 
Joe Flacco, though. Joe Flacco is starting. Unvaccinated Joe Flacco is starting. Uh, You see that wave in New York just started today. It should be really fun to follow that news media cycle. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm going to go. Jeez, I don't even know. I'll go with the Dolphins just because there's no way Flacco is that good right now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that you can. Like, I can't confidently pick Joe Flacco, like, ever, ever. Like, it's basically since. Jets Joe Flacco, especially. Even Baltimore Joe Flacco was not like a confident pick. You know what I mean? Like he just you weren't picking the way. Ravens because of Flacco in those games. You were Absolutely picking not. for all the other reasons. That exactly, offered. exactly. So I'm going to take Miami. It's not because of Tua either. It's because of where two, where Joe. Flacco This is like a 16 three. to 13 game. If that, it might be like nine to, could be like nine to six. I could see that. I could see it. Anyways, all right, Miami for both of us. Next one here, uh, New Orleans and Philadelphia. Okay, this is a perfect game for two teams that we really don't know who they are like not a damn thing about who these two teams are they could i could see either one of these teams going first or second round into the playoffs i can also see them falling apart completely and getting a top 10 draft pick based on where they stand trevor simeon is still the quarterback in new orleans i don't know if Taysom hill is ever going to get moved i don't think so at this point and as it stands for philly i mean jalen hurts is getting better every week you can't deny yeah he looks really good sometimes. He still looks bad sometimes. He's not consistent yet, but he's getting better. And this is a good defense. It's a good test for him. Who gets it done? Uh, yeah, I got the Saints on the road. Um, I think that defense will be a little too much for, for Philly. I think, I mean, they did just put up a good performance against a good defense in Denver. But I think the Saints are going to have their number here. And I like Sean Payton to carve up some weird – again, the Saints are so unpredictable. And I'm kind of banking on them to bounce back after kind of a weird game against Tennessee – uh, I think they bounce back this week. The pendulum swings back and they win. So Philadelphia is interesting because of all the weird stuff they do offensively, right? It can be a Devontae Smith game. It could be Jalen Hurts. They literally don't run the ball still. Even, you know, I mean, I know Boston Scott has gotten more involved recently and they've used a couple of other names like Jordan Howard, but they don't like to run the football. And throwing the football into the Saints defense is playing into their best interests, really. Uh, so I'm going to take New Orleans. I think they are the matchup breaker here, uh, just in terms of being schematically superior, uh, the way that this team is constructed. I think New Orleans has the inherent edge in this game. So I'm going to take New Orleans here uh, over Philadelphia, which moves us to Washington and Carolina. This is a Ron Rivera revenge game. Fun. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh also, Taylor Heineke's coming off of a win over Tom Brady. Carolina, of course, might start Cam Newton this week, who is officially back. Uh, scored two touchdowns on two plays last week and might be the starting quarterback in place of P.J. Walker just two weeks after being signed off the street. Uh, who gets it done here? They're playing at home in Carolina. Uh, I, I, I don't know about any of these teams, either one of these ones. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Panthers just because I feel like it could be a letdown spot for Washington after the win last week against Tampa. Yeah, that's, a, that's definitely one way to go here. I'm going to ride the wave with Tyler Heineke. I know you guys are all shocked. I'm going to take Washington mm-hmm. this week. I know Chase Young is out. That definitely sucks. Um, and I, I think that's a, you know, really that's a big piece here. Uh, I'm going to ride Heineke. I'm going to say that the ball, the, the 50-50 balls that he loves to throw every week, I'm going to say they land in the hands of Terry McLaurin this week. Uh, I'll take Washington over Carolina. We'll split on that one. All right, moving into the back half of our picks here. San Francisco coming off of their biggest win of the year. They go to Jacksonville with an opportunity to add another win to the ledger. Do they get that done? Do we need to even talk about that one? I'm going Jags. Okay. On this one. It's kind of a surprise pick this week, but the Niners are weird or just weird enough. Um, 
it just feel I don't know. It's 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 all about gut feeling on this one. It's just a weird feeling that the, that this is a Kyle Shanahan loss game, and decent chance he goes up and wins by thirty uh, in that game. But they got to go across the country, playing a different, you know, three time zones over or whatever it is. Um, I think the Jaguars showed something defensively in that second half against the Colts, so I think they're going to squeak this one out. So I'm going to take San Francisco in the safe pick here, but I, I, I understand what you're saying, and I think Urban Meyer is getting better at this coaching on the NFL thing. I don't think he's better at the PR in the NFL thing yet, but he's definitely right. improving as a you know as a, an, a schematic person in the NFL. He seems to know what he's doing now. Uh, it didn't seem that way the first month of the season, but um, I do think that San Francisco is the safe choice here. I think there's an argument right now that Debo Samuel is the most productive receiver in the NFL. I've seen San Francisco fans making that argument. I actually try to, the reason why I say this now is because I, I saw people saying that and I was like, there's no way, right? There's at least five guys that are better than him, but when it comes to efficiency, catching the football, uh, Debo Samuel has been, the he's doing, player. he's doing what Percy Harvin wanted to do. Yes. You know, Absolutely. All right. I'll take San Francisco. Drew and I will split on this one. This could be a fun week for, um, for our, uh, for our purposes, at least with a lot of splits here. Uh, next one is Joe Burrow. He goes to Vegas this week. Um, I don't, again, Las Vegas, man. I just, I, it's hard to know who they are at this point. They've had so many pieces of their identity taken away from them over the last six weeks or so. And they don't look good. They did not look good against the Chiefs. Of course, Patrick Mahomes kind of had his get-back game last week. Cincinnati, on the other hand, is kind of stumbling since we anointed them a potential power in the AFC, and they have now come back down to earth and been sort of a 500 football club. Who gets this one done? Yeah, both teams looking to bounce back here um, are kind of on the schneid. Uh, I'm going to go Raiders, and I've weirdly liked Derek Carr a lot this year, despite everything that's kind of happened since that hot start. But I'm going to take the Raiders – I guess just because we're the home team. I'm going to take Cincinnati. I'm going to ride Joe Burrow in this one just because I like him more as a, I don't want to say he's the better quarterback at this stage of his career, but he's definitely the guy that I want with the ball in his hands last second. I prefer him over Derek Carr and really a lot of guys in the NFL. I'm so jealous that Cincinnati has Joe Burrow. And I, I pray that they don't ruin him and that this little, you know, three or four game stretch that we saw earlier was more than just a blip on the radar. Um, I, Vegas is just hard for me to get behind right now because when they've done this so many years in a row, right? Where they start hot, you start getting ready to anoint, you know, them as an AFC power, or at least as a team that's in contention for a strong wild card spot. And then they fall apart. They've done it three times in a year, three, excuse me, three years in a row now where they started hot and it's fallen apart. So I think they're in the falling apart stage. Um, that's to me as the edge here, I'll take Cincinnati. Next one here is definitely game of the week, at least on paper. Um, we said the same thing about Green Bay and Seattle last week, and that didn't exactly pan out the way we thought. But Dallas at Kansas City certainly has the makings of some really mm-hmm. fun football, for sure. Yeah, I'm going to go Kansas City. I think they're back, at least offensively. Um, the defense has not been, like, terrible lately. So Daniel Suarez um, had a pick last week. I know, right? Uh, I'm going to go Chiefs here, and also because I just don't like the Cowboys, so rooting for the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm going to take the Chiefs too. I also believe they're back, and i i don't I don't not think that Dallas is a like a strong playoff contender and has the potential to win the Super Bowl. But I don't. I'm not with the people that are saying they, that they're a top four football team in the NFL right now. They have deficiencies too, and there's things that pop up. 
where you're just like, what the hell just happened? Like with Denver two weeks ago, I don't, I don't really know what that was. I don't know if that's a throwout game yet because Dak Prescott was on the field. They had everyone back. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They just straight up got blown out. They got schematically beaten. Mm-hmm. I think that can happen again. And who better to do it than Andy Reid, right? So um, I think this is going to be a shootout. I really do. I think this is going to be like a 42 to 32-ish game, something in there. Uh, but I think Kansas City ultimately comes out on top. And I think by the end of next week, uh, we'll be back to saying that Kansas City is you know, the team to beat in the AFC. All right, next one here is Arizona and Seattle. Uh, I don't know if Kyler Murray's going to play. By God, I hope he's going to because this is not fun for Arizona if Colt McCoy is out there again. Russell Wilson looked like hell, of course. I said before, worst game of his professional career, at least in, score, in terms of scoring points, and I I think that's really all that matters, right? Um, looking for a bounce back, of course. The team's last couple of weeks that we think are good football teams have bounced back very effectively after a clunker. Uh, can Seattle do the same against you know the team that's leading their division right now? Yeah, I got Seattle. Uh, I think it's going to be a very entertaining game. Those The Seahawks-Cardinals games have been really fun to watch the last couple of years, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to take Arizona. I'm going to play them defensively here, and I'm also going to bet on the fact that I think Kyler Murray is going to play. Uh, I'm going to stick with my pick one way or the other because I've gotten myself in trouble flipping picks on quarterbacks. Uh but I think I, I feel like Kyler Murray is going to play. I feel like DeAndre Hopkins is going to play. And as long as you get those two guys on the field, I think that they're definitely the better football team. The record certainly shows it. Um, it's just really a matter of who's the starting quarterback. And if it's not Colt McCoy, uh, I think Arizona wins definitively. If it is Colt McCoy, I think it's closer than you think. But Arizona ultimately gets the edge. So we'll split on that one as well, which brings us to Sunday night football. That is Pittsburgh and the Los Angeles Chargers. Of course, the Chargers coming off of the loss against your Vikings last week. Uh, they are in a real slump. I believe they lost three out of their last four after, again, also being anointed as a top team in the AFC West, much like the Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs, pretty much, honestly, and the Broncos too. So this entire division is just ridiculous. And they get to face off against Pittsburgh, who's coming off against a tie, which is, let's be real, when it's against the Lions, it's a loss. So worst tie i worst tie ever basically against this lion right that's a that's a tough tie (laughs) that's a really that's a tough tie uh i got the chargers um i think i i still think they're a much better team um and i i just don't believe the steelers even big ben there or not i don't really know what the scenario is but i just i just don't trust him anymore why would you i mean like, like they had the three-game win streak, but before that three-game win streak, we were all talking about how he's too old, how he needs to retire. I still feel that way. Like, that didn't change because they won three games in the middle. TJ Watt, I believe, is out for this game. You know, I mean, hard to pick the Pittsburgh Steelers, even with Chargers playing the way that they have the last couple of weeks. This seems like a bounce-back game, a get-right game for Justin Herbert, playing under the lights. Um, I hope he gets the opportunity to do so. And really, I like seeing the Chargers win. I, this is a fun team, man. Like, I hope they win. So uh, we'll, I will both roll charges here into Monday Night Football, which is a matchup of Daniel jo- Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, and Tom Brady. Tom Brady, of course, coming off of a loss against the Washington Redskins. He's going to be pissed. I mean, I, I'm going time to Tampa Bay for sure. You can't convince me otherwise. Are you rolling with that same trade? So how did the Giants get scheduled on Monday night in two out of three weeks uh, at Chiefs and at Buccaneers because they played at Kansas City on Monday night two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And now they have, at, I mean, at, what is the NFL doing with that? Nobody wants to watch Daniel Jones play in prime time. 
NFC uh, East, man, they're in every I, primetime game somehow. I, I know, I know. Uh, I got the Bucks though. I don't know. I just noticed that and I was like, wait, well, how, how did they get looped in with the Chiefs and the Bucks on prime time? I don't know. But I got the Bucks. I, I mean, the only there isn't an explanation for that. That's just poor scheduling, right? And no one's going to watch this game unless they've got his fantasy matchup or they're a Bucks fan. And they know Tom Brady's going to sell no matter what, right? But anyone that wants to watch a competitive football game will not be tuning into this game for that purpose unless it's the third quarter and something weird has happened. Yeah. Well, but the no Manning cast, for, I'm sure, will be good with oh, that's a good point. Eli and the Giants and all that. So. This is definitely a Manning cast game with Tom Brady yes. on the field. Definitely a Manning cast game. That's a good point. Yes. All right. That wraps up our picks for the week uh, where we stand heading into week 11. Six and seven last week for me, five and eight for Drew. My God, we are rough, rough over the last three weeks. Um, I haven't been above 500 in my picks since week seven. Yikes. This is bad. <laughs> yeah, this is not good. Um, I'm 89 and 60 overall. Uh, that tie last week, we nulled that. We just straight up pretended like that game didn't happen. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing the same. Drew is 83 and 66, but remember that is a deceptive 83 and 66 because he has those that huge bonus, whereas I got a major loss with our money picks last month. So that's where we stand. Uh, that is all we've got, I believe. Is there anything else that we missed here today? Anything that you want to wrap up with before we sign out? I don't think so. Uh, big game this week. It's huge. Uh, this is Packer week. Enjoy it. Uh, keep making fun of the Packers fans for buying fake stock. Oh, uh, that that's my hilarious. favorite discourse discourse online right now on Twitter is Packers fans buying the stock and then everybody else making fun of them and then Packers fans getting mad. So then they say something about how the Viking stadium was built with taxpayer money and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, the, it's the most entertaining debate I see right now. It's, it's ridiculous because just all you have to do is just not call it stock and we'll have nothing on you. Like if you want to buy memorabilia about your favorite team, I do it. I do that. Like it's, <laughs> it's just not a stupid piece of paper that says I'm an it's owner. Like, when you buy memorabilia, it's like, I don't know, a, a shirt or a jersey or right. a sweatshirt or. Hell, I've you know. gone so far as to, you know, like I have a, I have, for example, I have a framed Xavier Rhodes autographed jersey that you know, with the frame and all the stuff, the customization that went into it, that cost me 300 bucks. I'm going to put that on my wall, but it's going to look a hell of a lot better than a piece of paper that says stock when it explicitly says underneath it with an asterisk, this is not a stock. You can't sell this. And actually you can get in trouble now, according to what Mike Florio. I saw the, I saw the <laughs> rules about like criticizing the team or whatever. It's like you, technically as part of the organization or something now, like you can be, uh, you know, Unreal. held held for that. Oh yeah, that's, man, that's tough. You guys, I don't suck. know. It's it's Packers it's just fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, you guys are the worst. I I hate Packers fans. I lived in Wisconsin for too many years, and I'm done. I love winning against the Packers, and I've been in a position so many times where it's happened the other way that I just hope to will this one. Minnesota um, and I'm sure a lot of you do feel the same way as me so hopefully this is a fun week um, big opportunity as we've said a number of times this past week and really over the last like 10 days or so uh, Vikings playing at home get back to 500 you know this could be a big turning point right I think you can kind of write the ship with what happened in Dallas if you win this football game right people will forget about let's fire Mike Zimmer because he lost to Cooper Rush if he beats Aaron Rodgers pushing his team fair. back to 500. People will start to forget about that, myself included. I'm a, I'm willing to call that a wash. If you losing to Cooper Rush, beating Aaron Rodgers, that to me is balance right there. And really, the Vikings are the are the definition of balance this year. Five they and are. five sounds right. So yeah. let's hope that it comes true. 
But until then, folks, thank you for listening. Uh, we always appreciate that. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. If you prefer to watch us, we are available on YouTube. Feel free to drop us a line on there. We appreciate those. Make sure to check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket Network. We both got live shows as well as podcasts throughout the week by a number of different content creators. So make sure to check that out if you don't like us. And lastly, the Daily Norseman. For all your news updates, written, audio, video, etc. That's where it's at. Fox Media, baby. Daily Norseman, check it out. Leave us a comment if you want. So with all that being said, enjoy the week. Enjoy a hopeful Vikings victory. And we'll catch you guys next week.